You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What's going on today? A lot. <laughs> oh, really? I heard you busy this week, Andy. Starting with why is Andy not wearing pants? No reason, just because I can. Shorts, of course. That's the TMI. I got uh, why. But you're not wearing pants. Shorts are fine, aren't they? Acceptable in the office in today's. uh, Oh yeah, shorts are fine. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, Chris, what's going on with you today? Well, I got uh, two episodes of Buried in the Backyard in already. This morning. What is that? Well, it's one of those crime mystery shows. Oh, cool. I've switched from naked and afraid and alone to now just crime mystery shows. Yeah. That's what I watch. Dateline, you know, all that stuff. What's going on in real estate this week? Have you guys oh, been busy? Nothing. Andrew, you can talk. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, lots of, uh, we, we've had a, our broker has uh, had a, an online like uh, training where they're bringing in speakers and uh, one after another. So it's between like 11 and two. So that it, it, for me, it's, it's, I always love the ongoing like educational opportunities from great speakers, especially when they're from outside of our industry. Um, I think a lot of times the coaches that are in this industry, they regurgitate the same stuff. They listen to each other and they start repeating each other. Personal opinion. Sorry if I offend anybody. Um, They all, Oh, you should do this. And it's because they just heard it themselves the other day on somebody else's podcast. Um, I like it when outsiders come in. Like we had uh, this uh, Mike Vec, um, the St. Paul Saints um, owner or founder. And then I think he's partners with a bunch of people on it. He was really insightful on, I, I enjoyed the uh, fun is good philosophy. That was his business plan, which I kind of chuckled because I go, it sounds like something I would do. Um, <laughs> had a business plan with, it's it's three words, you know, and and they have a whole company now built around that with motivational speaking um, company, you know, marketing programs and really keeping it simple and understanding who you are and what your, your place is in the food chain. And I thought that was fantastically accurate with, he goes, you know, we, Hey, we won a national, um, title. And he goes, and there was a, he goes, but you know, we get it. We're not the twins. We're not the whatever. So he goes, we did a, a parade, but he goes, nobody would show up at a parade for the, the saints. He goes, so we did a one block long parade and he goes, we had thousands of people show up because it's stupid and funny. And he goes, it kind of puts us in our box, right? We're the, we're the saints. We're not the twins. We're the, so give us a one block parade and they got huge support. So I think what's nice about something like that is for anybody in any industry that's watching this or listening, um, being creative and having that uh, sense of how do you fit into the food chain and where do people find value or entertainment or fun, if you will, um, enjoyable information. Um, that, that they want to be part of. And, and that was, so that was kind of part of my week um, on top of being really busy with existing business. Um, this election didn't change anything. I, I'm still busy just like I was before. So. Yeah. There was a little lull around it though. I mean, well, from yes. showings and stuff, but uh, I think, you know, I mean, it, it still remains interest rates are low and inventory is low. But uh, I also think you, you made a good point about the whole Mike Vec thing is that uh, thinking outside the box and in this industry, 
it's what you do all the time. I mean, you work during the day and then you work at night and then you work on the weekends and you're always kind of working. And if you don't implement, if you don't like it, it's going to be, it's not a very fun life um, to do because that's all you're doing. So you got to enjoy it. You got to do what's right and what works for you. And not everyone's the same. I mean, like I said, you and you and I are real different in how we approach um, uh, stuff. But uh, in the end, I mean, it's both what who we are and what we like to do and different people uh, like that. And so you're always going to get clients, you know? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully that's the case. Do you guys see, do you guys see people starting to think about spring market or um, are you, are they still really focused on selling or buying between now and the end of the year? I was just at a house uh, yesterday that, that that was the question is that should we go on the market right now? Or do we wait until spring? And uh, I think ever since about 2008, my response has been, I'll tell you what the pricing is now. And you never, you don't know what it's going to do. Uh, prior to that, we always knew that, hey, in the spring, you're going to get a little more because it's a better time in the market. And uh, you'll, you'll probably, you know, if we're going to list at 200000 now, we'll probably be at 210 in the spring. So which one do you want to do? Now, you just, I mean, it's kind of like, hey, this is what it is, right? what we know, we know that where the interest rates are, we know where the inventory is. Um, you know, we don't know in three months. I mean, we don't, we don't really know what's going to happen on tomorrow. I mean, there's some new stuff. I, I don't, I'm, I'm done the news part. So don't ask me any of those questions, the news part, but um, that, that we're having, you know, that one person can come to Thanksgiving or something, or the, the cases are crazy and um, all of that stuff. And, you know, we don't know uh, how's that going to affect things. You know, people get shut down again, twice, two times that, uh, you know, now is it like, whoa, now maybe there's something really wrong or does it spur it even more? You know, because people are like, hey, it's no big deal. I mean, we, yeah. we, we did it before. It's kind of a little break and, and maybe we'll get a stimulus plan. But, you know, you know, Chris, the other thing is, is like as real estate agents, I think most of us are very cautious anyway, because we are in into people's homes, um, you know, and they could have you know, the flu and they don't even know it yet or whatever. Right. And so I think I've always carried a, a cautious optimism as, you know, you shake hands, but I always sanitize. I wash my hands. Even before all this was going on, I was always a little safer than um, I'm not a germaphobe by any means, but I'm, I don't like being sick. And so I've always avoided that, that opportunity. So, but you know, what I was interested about kind of too, is that, you know, again, it's just, I, I hope what you're saying is true because there's, you know, like they were talking, I was reading an article on Australia and how their flu season is in full, you know, their normal is right now and how their flu season, um, the numbers are so staggeringly low because of the amount of people and the precautions they're taking. And, and yet in the States, we're doing the same thing, like in Minnesota. So it made me dig a little deeper. In Minnesota, I've heard we're doing the same thing where flu uh, that normally starts kind of this time of the year and carries on is ridiculously low. And so people are doing the right thing. I mean, as bad as they make us or want to make us feel on TV and radio, like we're all a bunch of freaking idiots and we don't know what we're doing and we lick each other's faces. That's not what's happening. I mean, people are literally taking precautions. They're trying to follow the rules. They're trying to conduct a normal life. And, and I just, I'm sick of getting yelled at too. I'm, I'm like, it's going to happen. Some people are going to get sick and until they then hurry up on the virus or the, the whatever spray or whatever they come Vaccine. up with. Vaccine. Yeah. 
Whatever you want to call the spray, it. The spray. All those fancy the, medical. They're going to come over and just spray <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Well, they did say in the Minnesota Department of Health uh, briefing, I think earlier this week, that there are only four people statewide that are hospitalized with the flu, which is very, very low comparatively to a normal year. So, you know, you kind of have to take all of this with a grain of salt and look at the numbers for the normal illnesses that we encounter, um, as well as the virus illnesses. Well, you know, and respectfully, so I'm not smart enough to know that the, the evil side of that, you know, sickness. So, you know, when, when I meet with some of my families, they're very concerned and, and rightfully so, then I become very concerned, you know, uh, out of respect for them. So, you know, the, the, any business, I think you need to adjust. Um, we got to survive. We got to keep moving. Um, I think, I think this whole, you know, communist perspective on how many people you can have in your house, I think is going to get real old real quick. And the American spirit will override. That. I don't care what side of the fence you're on for voting. We're going to be like, this isn't going to work. We're, we're doing Thanksgiving we're getting together for Christmas or we're getting together for whatever holiday we celebrate and, and we're going to do our thing and, and, and do it safely. But what does that have to do with housing? I don't know, but. But I, that actually does bring us to a, to a nice new topic, which is today's yeah. show. And I made this really nice. Today. If you're catching us on the podcast, you need to come over to Facebook and check out the video. I'll post this graphic after the show. Um, We're talking today about entertaining spaces in your home. It's that time of year. We're headed into the holiday season. What are people looking for in entertaining spaces? Are they really important to resale value? What should you be thinking about if you're building a new home? All the things entertainment related in your home. Mostly it's my bacon wrapped uh, turkey breast that people come for in my house. Do you uh, cook for Thanksgiving? Oh yeah. I always, we do. I do. Do, like, do you bread. cook too, Chris? Oh yeah. That's so funny. Cause my husband cooks too. I don't cook. Well, I'd it's rather do the whole Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving dinner. And then they all want to like bring something. I'm like, eh, let me do it. I know. I know it'll taste like that. But Andy does really. Oh my God. Can I say amen to you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all you had to do was bring yams. How can you screw up yams? And then you're eating them going, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Thanks, Aunt Shirley. I remember I let my mom, my mom do the stuffing one time. And all of a sudden, there's raisins and cinnamon in it. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that's like a. You're not supposed to use names, Chris. That's like a bagel. What? You're not supposed so, to use names. You're supposed to say some mysterious. It was my mother. My mother. And she's probably listening, so. She she needs to know that because I've have given her a hard time for about fifteen years on that one. Pause for two seconds, guys. Noel Noel commented, "Whoa, are my eyes deceiving me, or are you guys actually doing what I told you to do for four years?" Uh, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> as soon as we make royalties, Who's Noel and distributing the royalty checks. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be a long way down the road. So let's, let's, uh, no, just kidding. It's probably yeah. going to be here. You know, I think you, when you say entertaining, I always think lifestyle living. And to me, lifestyle living has been more important this year than it has ever been. Um, and, and coming to the forefront and what people are looking for in a home. Obviously, entertaining is part of that. Um, you only need room for 10 people now, Andy, to entertain in. Yeah, you know what though? I have so much leftover turkey. I do three birds, right? So I bake one for the 
healthy people, but I do a butter herb. I stuff butter herbs underneath the crust or the skin. And then I do a fried turkey, Cajun style. So it's a little more fun. And then I always do a smoked bacon wrapped turkey breast. And oh God, dude, I have dreams about that bird. Rick always does one on the grill. Yeah. So good. You know what? Now these dining rooms and stuff are kind of made for this now though. If you can only have 10 people, I mean, you can actually fit people in there. Everyone's always trying to, you know, put extra tables all over the place. And I, one question I have um, for people, is there anyone that has a Thanksgiving the, with less than 10 people? Have they ever had it? That's, that's a great question. If you are yeah. listening live, drop a comment in the comment section of the Facebook live to let us know, do you have, how many people come to your Thanksgiving traditionally and what are you doing this year? Yeah. And I don't know if you got another question um, coming on uh, how to decorate during the holidays when your house is listed, because that's a, Oh, that's a great question. So what is your recommendation on that, Chris? Yeah. So um, number one, it, it, sometimes you can, obviously, I mean, it's just like during the political season, do you have, do you have signs up in your front yard, you know, or do you have signs inside your house? And I always say, you know what, when you're listening, you just don't want any of that stuff to distract people. Um, but you do want to make your, your house a home or make people feel it's a home, but there's, there's some people that uh, do a lot of decorating and it looks fantastic, but then it kind of uh, gives some glaring um, things such as uh, the house isn't big enough. I mean, where do you put a Christmas tree? And if you don't have a perfect spot for the Christmas tree and you have to move the furniture around and take it out, now there's only a, a couch to watch TV and you have a family of four, you don't think that way. So it might not be the best thing to put a Christmas tree there, but if you have a, this great two-story area, that can fit this tree and it's uh, you basically built this house for the Christmas tree, then I think you want to accentuate it. But uh, and not getting too crazy. I mean, sometimes with presents, I mean, I've gone through houses and uh, just little subtle things like this is that people look under the tree where they've got, a, I mean, the really efficient people have their presents wrapped, you know, um, December 2nd and they're all under the tree and there's maybe 50 of them. Okay, and then people look at that like, wow, I mean, 50, 50 presents they got here, you know, it just, it makes them start thinking of different things. And so you I, just uh, don't I, want it to take away. I've taken most of my current decorating advice that I give to my clients from the NBA. And so I have them decorate around the table with the fake cutouts of families sitting at the table. And so people can visualize. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. The, no, like my mom, I, I laugh because my mom already has her house decorated for the holidays. Um, cause she loves it so much and, and she loves everything about Christmas. She loves the lights. She loves the characters. The only thing she doesn't have up technically is the tree, but she has like, she does some really cool techniques that I've, I've actually, you know, um, you take like a, a, a wall frame, you know, a picture hanging on the wall. She'll wrap that with, with, uh, paper, wrapping paper oh, that's and so cute. Put a little bow on it. So it looks like there's a present on the wall and she does some of those fun things with lights on the top of the mantles. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of these, even if you don't have outlets up there, there's a lot of these new companies or, uh, or not companies. Uh, well, they make the battery pack lights. that will stand for eight hours on, on two little, you know, double uh, A's and, and having some fun decorating, I think is fun because the spirit of the house and creating that warmth and that, you know, connection for people is what you want to do. Now, being like, like Chris said, he said, you don't want to, you know, take it one way or another, but you do want to create that, 
you know, um, of all the times of the year to have that gingerbread cookie smell or, you know, or sugar cook, whatever in your house, it's, it's probably now. And, you know, and if you do have the big holidays coming up and you have that double oven or you have that warming tray or you have that, you know, cool new whatever, make sure to feature it, you know, because um, people buying right now are thinking about that stuff. Like, how would I do Thanksgiving in this house? How would I do Christmas? How would I do, you know, whatever. And, and um, I think apply your um, use of those spaces into the design, but don't overdo it. No one else said no to decorations. Um, no one else has commented yet. But what do you guys think about the idea of using Pinterest as your guide for subdued holiday decorations or um, or different inspiration, as opposed to maybe the um, Christmas explosion that a lot of us like to do around the holidays, or hiring a professional decorator to come in, depending on the price point of your home to do some light Christmas touches or holiday touches so that you get that holiday spirit without going overboard and get someone else's opinion. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you the other, I was going to say when Andy, I mean, it is like subtleness like that is great. But um, the other yeah, thing is, is right if there. you are, if you are a decorator and you like, I mean, that's what you do for Christmas. I, I would just say, just don't put it on quite yet, or you can TNAS it. And that means temporary, not available for showings. Um, because here's the other thing, too, is that everyone's first impression is online. You know, and so what they see online, they're expecting to see in the house. Well, not many people are going to, um, uh, realtors, at, at least I don't think they should, is my opinion, is uh, to take pictures of everyone's um, decorating and put it online. So it's usually going to be like what the house is, not what it looks like for Christmas. But when someone sees what it looks like and then they come for Christmas, you know, um, and it totally looks totally different. Like that fireplace, that's a great example right there. I mean, that fireplace is totally covered up. That's a beautiful stone fireplace, but yeah. there's socks and stuff all around it. And all, you know, it doesn't, that used to be the focal point of the room and now it's, and it's too much. Yeah. How, so, do, how many people do you guys see selling houses around the holidays? Do people typically not put houses on two weeks before Christmas until they take their, their, their until like after the first of the year? Usually only if they have to, if they have to get it going or they, they bought a place, you know, and they have to sell theirs because it's subject to the contingency of that um, time. But it typically, I mean, I mean, <laughs> then again, I mean, I don't know, Andy, in the last couple of years, it really hasn't slowed down, you know, around the holidays. Yeah. If you have a new house, it's going to be completed in the end of January and you want to get your existing house up for sale and you don't want to have a big lull or gap you know, between your selling time and your move-in time, um, you you probably would be listing in the middle of December. So the, the thing that statistically, um, we have less inventory that time of the year. So, you know, there's the people that are, are out, excuse me, the people that are out looking are usually buyers. They're not, they're not tire kickers. They're not just thinking about maybe they're buying. And so I would say, if you get a showing in December, accept it. And it usually ends up being an offer because People, they shop online. We've all talked about this. So you have all of your neutral photos, for an example. I know um, there was a couple of comments on here about not decorating, but I'll tell you what, I think that you still have to have the house that's lived in slightly. I think, you know, if you're like my mom and you decorate the whole house and you go crazy and you have, you know, a, literally a, a, a 20 by 50 storage bin full of stuff, I, I don't think that you should go that far, but I do think that um, it's okay to accent the house a little bit to create that warmth in that environment that that house is designed for. So, you know, if you have a stark, you know, um, you know, very contemporary looking home, 
and decorations don't work in that design, keep them out. On the other hand, if you're on the log home on the lake with the big windows and you throw a few accent lights in there and people melt when they walk in your house because it's so warm and so inviting and gorgeous, I think you're doing yourself a disservice by not. So, you know, I, it's one by one for sure case basis. How about, a you know, in, the, in that example, Andy, of the cabin and uh, doing kind of a little video shot of a, of a fire going with the Christmas stuff, you could sell that house like that. Have you ever you seen know? my videos, Chris? All of my videos have that in there. We, we have a pretty uh, smart, you know, technically advanced editing team. And as they pan the room, all of a sudden the, the fire's crackling. There's no fire. It's fake. Yeah. But it's, yeah. uh, so but, basically, this is, this is what sets you apart when you work with an agent that's experienced and has a marketing plan for you. They understand that it's not a, and I'm, I'm shamelessly giving you both a plug right here, but, <laughs> but knowing what's going to sell, understanding that there's no cookie cutter approach to selling a home, um, that's really integral to your strategy. So when you're thinking about who to hire as a real estate agent, or if you're an agent looking to differentiate yourself in the market, promoting the fact that you, you do set up different marketing plans for every single house that goes on the market and understanding that no house is the same is important. Well, and I think, you know, too, to add on to that, thank you, by the way, that was very nice of you to say, um, there, there's a lot of our industry, like, like yesterday, I was on, on two listing presentations where uh, both of them had been referred. And so what's crazy to me, though, is when you start talking to people and they say, oh, I've, I've seen your stuff online for years. I've seen your signs for years. And I had three of my friends that have used you in the past. And, and that, my friends, as real estate agents is where you want to be. You want to get that. Um, Chris and I both take the same strategy, even though we sell sometimes different products. We're still in the same industry. We both believe in doing what's right every time. And, and, you know, no matter how that works out for us, doesn't matter. It is about the client experience and getting them where they want to go. And so, you know, when you take that kind of a, a strategy of the long-term play in the industry versus the short-term, am I going to make money on this file? You think longer term, I think you, you, you 10 times over will pay yourself back with people that were like, you know, Hey, 10 years ago, you sold my house and I want you to do it again. And you know, and they, they just assume they're like, so what new and exciting micro marketing are you guys doing? I know you guys are always cutting edge. They expect it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun spot to be in. And I, like a lot of my younger agents on my team or newer to the business agents on my team, um, I say, Hey, you don't have to have magic tricks. Just be good at what you do and let people brag about you. And, and, but you got to make sure to stay in front of your, your, uh, your audience, you know? Um, your pal, Greg wanted to let you, uh, was responding to Noel who said, you guys don't know what Pinterest is and, uh, told Noel that you guys just broadcast from the moon. You're totally removed from technology, which I thought you know, was our fans and our friends are so accurate. Um, th that is very true. I don't know what a Pinterest is, <laughs> but I do have a question from Greg that plays into what we're talking about. Have you sold a house virtually sight unseen? And I'm going to tack on to that. Is that more popular right now? And is that something with how the market is, the way it is, something you think we'll see more of? Um, I'm trying to think. I've been doing this for 30 years. I, I don't, uh, I really don't think I've sold a house uh, virtually, um, sight unseen. Um, I th we have, I know I have had one where they've tried to negotiate it and then come in, but it's not like, um, Hey, we're, we're going to buy it and we're not going to even look at it. 
I know, I know it's happened, but um, I've had offers that way, but very leery of those. I mean, if someone doesn't see the house, um, especially if you have other options, if you don't have other options, you know, like on the one we did, we accepted it based on them seeing the place. And so, and we took it, you know, and it ended up working out, um, but they did renegotiate after they went and saw it. Andy, you? I've sold two. I had one uh, buyer that came in from um, uh, Dallas and never met the guy personally, um, was literally doing the FaceTime on my phone. Um, we wrote the offer. Um, everything was closed remotely because um, he wasn't coming up for another three months. And I never, I still have never met the guy, um, you know, so, so that was kind of cool. And then I had uh, one of my past clients, um, sons that was getting ready to buy a house. And then he got deployed overseas. And while he was overseas, he was, he uh, was an IT over there. And so he was still looking at my searches and he goes, Hey, this one just popped up. It's perfect price. Um, would you take my mom and dad over and take a look at this house? Um, so we did, we did a virtual tour again, um, sent them all the little videos and he wrote the offer, closed on that house again remotely, and all all, uh, all from the uh, comfort of uh, I don't remember where he was. He wasn't in Iraq or anything, but but he anyway, super tight with the guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to someone, uh, Colleen LeBeau, who sells condos downtown, and she mentioned that she's had a couple of sight unseen sales of their new condos downtown from people that are out of the country. Uh, but that was really uh, at the beginning of COVID, I believe. Yeah. And I think that's a little different. I mean, uh, their condos they have uh, downtown yes. I think are kind of the, the type of condos that people are just going to live there in. Um, I, I think that happens a lot when you're. I think it does too. My kid is trying to buy, have me buy something down in uh, Mexico right now. And uh, he's like, dad, it's great. I've seen it. It's awesome. You should just buy it. I'm like, you know, I got to kind of got to go look. So, <laughs> so I'm going down there. Look. Hey, you oh. need a travel buddy for advice? What's that? You need a travel buddy to help give you advice? Yeah, exactly. I'll, and he's I'll always down for a trip to Mexico. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, can Maybe still we'll make out. it a show trip. Done. Do you know, Andy and I were asked to do, um, there was a, a, remember when we were on the radio and we got asked on uh, to do that cabin show yes and uh you know me and andy on t the the concept was is that we're going to go around to minnesota cabins and uh do that well i know nothing about hunting or anything like that so andy would have to do that but the other thing is we said now does that can that tv make you look a little smaller or not it actually goes the opposite way and so we're like uh we probably better not do that we both looked like we just sat down and ate uh, thanksgiving dinner and we're like <laughs> yeah. So those people on TV are skinny little people. Yeah. Yep. They, no, but you know, the idea there was it was actually a great concept. And it was <coughs> off of some local sports um hunting fishing shows where they're like, hey, this week we're featuring Bacchus. And then all of a sudden they'd want us to go up and interview local uh agents in the Bacchus market and talk about cabins and give examples of what it costs to get into that marketplace and live that lifestyle that they were selling you. Um, from the boat, but you know, maybe the, Hey, this is the cabin we just were featuring on the, on the whatever. And so it was a great idea, but man, tons of time, tons of work. Um, and, and unless they were going to pay us to do it, it was like, we can't afford to give up 50 hours a week, you know? 
Carlos commented that this is what he sees investors doing to flip houses is by sight unseen, which I, I think that is a thing. Oh, back in REO days, I used to have offers come in where I didn't even have any showings on the house yet. The investors would write offers contingent upon inspection and they would just write the offers at full price. And because they know that they're appraised, most banks list at appraised value. So you can save yourself a lot of time by thinking you can lowball them because they've already appraised the house. Unless there's something major wrong with it, it's been sitting for months. Um, and most of those banks will also, you know, systematically reduce pricing. But yeah, so sight unseen because they don't have time to waste, you know, 50 hours looking to, to buy one house. So they just write offer after offer after offer after offer. That's why also as a listing agent, I don't respect offers that come in with people that haven't shown the property yet. I take it and say, great, we're going to make this contingent upon you seeing the property before we sign it. Yeah. And well, you hit it right on the nose, Andy, because it's always usually turns into a negotiation. But um, in that case too, I mean, flippers are looking at the surrounding area. So they know, hey, what they can get out of this property and approximately thinking, you know, hey, this is all going to be wrong. We're going to probably have to put 150 into it. I can raise the price 250. Hey, I'll pay you this for it. You know, right. and so then some of them come in and say, hey, there is no, there's nothing. It's done. If you well, do it, it'll close in two weeks. I see that right now with Open Door. Open Door um, sends out unsolicited offers all the time um, to listings that have been on the market more than two weeks. And so if you have any listings, I've seen some of my other agents, if it's been on the market two weeks, they send you these offers that are low, um, which I get it. It's just, it's a math equation. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I don't know. If well, you probably sell your stuff in less than two weeks. You know, that is a, that's a problem actually. I mean, it's, I would say a problem. I think that's really good for the clients, but uh, I mean, I've never had so few active listings ever. You know, I'm usually the conversation and we were talking about it earlier was the conversation, hey, should we take it off over Thanksgiving or Christmas? And that's something that we always talk about kind of at the start of end of October, start of November. And uh, I mean, that's not a problem <laughs> right now. So um, just that's, that's kind of an unusual thing. Usually, I mean, and that's, that's called inventory. And it's just something that we don't, we don't have right now. Well, yeah. What do we have? One and a half months of inventory, which is ridiculous. Bringing us back to our topic of the day, which is entertaining spaces. <laughs> um, the only reason I'm laughing is because Chris got a comment from a friend of his that we don't stay on topic enough during the show, which is a fair assessment. Uh, <laughs> What do you guys think? Do people really move because of the entertaining space in their home and they just can't get what they want? Is that a big deal to most homeowners? I've been, I've seen it a lot with uh, when, when we, the term right sizing or getting in. Um, I, I think it, it plays with that. It's kind of like, Hey, what, what do we have now? And what do we want? Um, we've had a, a, a few families that entertain a ton and, and they need an extended dining room. And, you know, there's just not a lot of things that can handle 20, 25 people uh, in, uh, you know, in a dining room space. So it's almost like you're looking for something that you can add on to and or extend into another space. And uh, so, yeah, I think in, and people that are, are downsizing are like, hey, the kids are going to come back and here's what we need to do. And, you know, hey, this is where Christmas is going to be. And, and, and they're thinking about kind of that thought how to get them back home, because that is a, that's a big thing, you know, uh, people, you know, if they're going to come back nowadays, you kind of got to be entertained, even the grandkids got to be entertained. So if you have pools and theater rooms and stuff that uh, are going to attract those kids, um, even like Andy was talking about the, 
sport court. You know, we think that's just for, you know, families that have young kids starting up. What about older families that want their kids to come back and there's a place for the kids to play? True. Yeah. You know, what do you guys see in new construction? Is the entertainment space, is that a common concern or is it more of a lifestyle space? You know, it depends on the age group and it depends on, um, I think a lot of families from different, um, you know, cultures have different needs. So there are some cultures that like formal dining. There are some cultures that want to have a big group of people in one big room and, and share the same space. So I, I also think there's somewhere, you know, like when I was a kid, all the kids have to go downstairs and the parents are on the main level of the house or whatever. So I think everybody has their own version of how to spend time together. Um, it's, it's a matter of having a house that allows that uh, variety that makes your house more attractive. So for an example, I have houses all the time where people walk in and they're like, well, there's no formal dining room. I'm like, that's because we sell 110 houses a year without, and there's two that have. So what we do is we do this to give you your dining room. And people are like almost taken back that we don't put formal dining rooms in. On the other hand, um, every existing house that I sell, people say, this is the never used room. And it's true. I think nowadays the great room with the, the big family room, the dining area and the kitchen together is, is kind of the way we like to do it because we're all so darn busy. When you do finally have time to let your hair down and relax a little bit, you want to hang out together. Greg commented, isn't the kitchen the entertaining space? I, I have to agree with that. The kitchen is the heart of the home. Right. Agreed. I think so, too. But I think when you're um, marketing homes, you know, typically the lower level, I mean, and if we all think how we live, you know, the lower level is, you know, maybe a two, three time thing a year that you go down to. And um, we find, I mean, in the new construction realm is that um, it's everything centered around that kitchen. You know, it's the main floor and that's kind of where they're cooking and they're, they're doing everything. And uh, people are going with less, you know, fancy bars, maybe, you know, an area to be able to, you know, maybe um, create that three, three, four time thing a year downstairs. Uh, but I think you have to, when you're marketing a house and say it's like existing, you have to make people believe that they are going to use that space. And so you, you have to, that's, that's selling the lifestyle part of it. And then thinking that, oh my gosh, we've never had this. And we're going to have, I mean, the greatest parties ever. We're going to have people over all the time. And, you know, in reality, they, you probably don't, but that's what you need to make them think to be able to uh, get the most money for your house. Again, that's where we go back to the NBA for our styling. We, we get all of their people cutouts, put them throughout the house for yeah. selling how the rooms are to be used. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you give them We, we jokingly have paper. that, but we do in our sport courts. We get some professional football players from those fat heads and their cutouts, and they're like right below the rim doing a dunk. And it, it's kind of cool. Hold on a minute. They're right below the rim doing the dunk. That's that's wrong. You have to be above they're the rim doing the dunk. To dunk. Oh, oh, they're on their way to dunk. Okay. Yeah, you, you've never <laughs> experienced that, Chris, but for those of us that can dunk. I did ninth grade, just so you know. <laughs> I think I peaked, I peaked in like 10th grade. So if you're looking at a new home, what should you be asking yourself about entertainment spaces? How often you host? I think really, really look at how, how you live. <laughs> I mean, um, but I think if you don't really know how you live, I think I would really concentrate um, trying to make it as open and uh, flowing around that kitchen as you can, because that's most likely how you're going 
you're going to live. And the builders, builders know that, you know, builders and designers know that. And that's why, that's why they have the, um, the bars that are within the, the kitchen, you know, and they're set off to another way or a, a wine area. You know, that's usually, that used to be in the basement next to the bar. You know, there's beverage fridges up in the kitchen. So not everyone's going through your kitchen and seeing, you know, um, all your leftover meals for the last four days. You know, they can just go grab their beverage on the side. Yeah. Do you, what about if you buy something existing that doesn't have that open flow space? Should you be considering a budget to renovate that? I don't know. I think just find the right house because by the time you spend hundred grand. I mean, most remodelers won't even get out of their truck for less than a hundred grand. Um, I mean, that's quite an investment, you know, and, and you look at that and you say, um, will I get that back? Will the neighborhood, I mean, unless you are the smallest house on the block and you bought yours for 300 and the other ones are five, 600,000, then you can do it. But on the other hand, you know, like you look at some, well, I, I guess some of the communities, like you look at like Edina where some of the houses are selling for four and 500,000 and getting leveled and they're building a $1.7 million house, you know? And so in those cases, those neighborhoods can obviously afford to do whatever you wish, but most normal areas that don't have that crazy um, kind of, you know, uh, business happening, you're looking at, you got to look at what the neighborhood will, will, will handle because there's diminished returns. I mean, we were talking about this last night with another guy. He was saying, Hey, I got a buddy that just put in a pool. And by the time he was done with waterfalls and, all the landscaping and the lighting, he had 250,000 invested into his backyard. And, and, and I said, he better get used to living there because that, that investment will not come back if he goes to sell it. Now, they argue, well, this is now one of the nicest backyards in the state of Minnesota. Well, yeah, but not everybody wants or can afford that. So you got to, you know, I always say before you, you do it, before you build it, know who you're selling it to. And, and that's the same thing with houses. It's attainable. It has to be, housing has to be attainable. So, if you're up in, you know, let's say Blaine and you're building a $5 million house, it's not going to sell necessarily, right? I mean, you know, unless it's something, re- but on the other hand, if you build a beautiful $450,000 to $750,000 house, they, they sell all day long. I have a question for you guys. We talk about this a lot when we're talking about buying and building is resale value. How many clients, when they go into purchasing a house, like what percentage of your clients are really worried about reselling and what percentage is saying this is our dream home we're staying here for the long haul i i really don't think anyone doesn't not think about long-term um return now then they justify hey i want this it's like the two hundred fifty thousand dollars landscaping i mean if that's something that you really enjoy and that you like you know you're it's like andy said you're not getting 250 out of it you know not only a buyer most likely won't pay for that. But the other person that 1000% won't give you credit for it is an appraiser, you know? And so to be able to raise your house, that 5,000 square foot home that matches the other 5,000 square foot home right down the street, and you put another 250 in, it's not going to make your house 250 more than that other house. It's just not. Um, but I think everyone thinks about, hey, what, what it's going to cost me, but then they end up justifying it. I think, how about you, Andy? Yeah, I agree. I think that there's, you know, um, it, it, I still am never, it's kind of shocks me. I'll sit down with a couple in their twenties and they're building a house and they're like, well, we plan on this. This is our last house. And I'm like, you're in your twenties. You don't even know what it's like to have kids yet. You don't even know what it's like to have a big holiday party. Well, how do you know that this is even going to work for the next year? And, and so I always tell people, I go, keep yourself fluid, you know, keep yourself liquid. 
build a house that's resellable when you're at this age. And I said, if you want to get crazy, get crazy in the basement with your bar, you know, spend an extra five grand on the bar in the basement to make it really cool or ice cream, whatever. I, I just, I don't get crazy on the whole house. And then when, when you're, you know, in your fifties or sixties, yeah, go nuts because that possibly could be your, you know, next 20 year house that you, you call her uh, good on. And, and I, I just, but I think at that point, when you call it your forever house, I think we all have that long-term, we want to stay here forever. That's why we, that's how people justify how they spend their money. I'm, we're going to be here a long time. So let's upgrade the tub. Let's upgrade this. Let's upgrade the kitchen. And, and right now, I think there's a lot of people with rates as low as they are, that it might stay their long-term home just because how are you going to jump from that same house, even if it's the same value, and now you buy a new house at 7% interest and your old one was at two and a half. So I think a lot of people will ride their mortgages right out to the 30-year end. I think, too, when you're thinking about entertaining spaces um, and, and trying to create those in an existing house versus maybe find them in another house that's, that's worth it, you got to remember with remodeling and adding on, there's a lot of other costs that will creep up on you. For instance, say you're trying to make that dining room larger and you need to be able to add on to the outside. Well, you you might have to have, I mean, your roof, the roofing on that part might not match. And so if you have to replace that roof, you might have to replace the other roof. What about the siding? What if you can't get that siding? You have to do something different or maybe you have to repaint the whole house to be able to match it. Um, what about floor transitions? You know, how you go from that, the old space to the new space. And if that doesn't match, that might be able to say, hey, you know what? Now I have to add all this in, you know, a hardwood floor that goes through the whole thing. And then, gosh, I might as well not stop there. I'll go. And that's what happens with remodeling. Remodeling just kind of just packs on itself. And so when, when Andy says, if you think about $100,000, that's a lot of money. That's zero. That's nothing in remodeling because of those things. And the remodelers know that what you end up running into. And, you know, once you do one thing, then it's kind of like, well, geez, I might as well do that. You know what? We're going to paint the kitchen cabinets. Geez, the rest of the place is really light maple. Um, and it won't really match. Well, let's paint the great room. You know what? You can see the railing from there. Well, that's an old oak railing. Let's let's turn that in and put, you know, the spindles. In. And that that's what happens. If, if it touches and it's an eyesight, people are going to have to usually update it. Yeah. That's a great point. Yep. We have a couple of quick questions that have been submitted while we've been chatting. Um, has internet speed ever been a deal breaker issue when selling a home? Yes. Mm-hmm. Especially now with people working from home all the time. I get the, the IT guys that work from home and gals and they will say, what is the speed? And they literally shop in areas where the speed is faster. It's true. With a, wasn't there a statewide uh, deal a couple of years ago where they were working on getting high speed internet everywhere in the state? Is that was that effective or no? I don't know. I don't know about that. But I, you know, I had one guy last year um, that literally worked. He had something to do with security with the airport, and he had to live within so many blocks of a certain. There were several um, fiber optic systems that could handle the speed of what he was doing. And, and they, it was a, it was a government thing and we, we didn't get the build because where I had my lots, it didn't reach and, and they were, you know, it was just crazy, but it was, so we did, you know, in new construction, I get a lot of really fun requests. Actually, that wasn't a development. You see Noel on here. That was a development Noel and I were working on together back in the day and uh, in um, over in Lionel Lakes. And this guy kept coming back and they had a huge budget. I was drooling, wanted to build this house so bad, but because of the speed, 
um, and the lack of connection to the uh, fiber optic, we, we, it just, they could not do it. Is that Another, the development you had Bloody Marys and donuts at? Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. Noelle said she has satellite internet. Yeah. It's a lot of rich people have fun things, Courtney. Noel, he's he's trying to take a dig at you like he does to Rooney. Uh, <laughs> Noel is our Noel's like our little sister, by the way. She's <laughs> uh, Greg wants to know TVs in the kitchen, hot or not? I like TV, <laughs> and I like my kitchen. So yes, combo, perfect. Do you I don't see know. I see more. I mean, they're usually attached to the great room, and I think yeah. those TVs are getting. Uh, bigger, bigger, and larger, and uh, I don't know. Do you? I, I mean, in the new construction, I don't see a lot of people putting them in. No, in the kitchen because I'm usually... joking because I put it in. I have a double oven setup where we had a big cabinet above it, and we did recessed doors. And I, I bought a TV that fit perfect in there, but I can shut those doors at any time and hide that TV. But it's it's something that you know I get up so early that that I don't want the whole house to be you know lit up and that sound flowing all over. So. Um, but most new houses we do build have the kitchen area facing towards the house. And then, like you said, above the fireplace or whatever, they'll set up a 50, 60, 70 inch TV. And, and then that's where the TV is on the main floor. But I've started seeing where people are finishing their basements. And then one of the couple will not allow a TV on the main floor. And that's coming back too, where they want it to be, you know, formal or they want it to be creative or whatever area. And they're putting the TVs downstairs. So. Talk entertaining spaces. That's a, a lot of people stage without TV sometimes, you know, and it, it's usually because the furniture doesn't work out. And, and if you don't see the TV, you don't think about the TV. It's a uh, very, it's, it's, I mean, it's cause I'm like, no, you gotta have a TV. And all of a sudden they don't have one there. I'm like, Hey, that's kind of a smart idea, you know, because it, the furniture works out so much better sometimes. Was it that good of a I comment? Was or what? Sorry. <laughs> we took our breath away, Chris. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to stick another, on this entertaining spaces topic here, you know. Another question uh, submitted on the show today. What are some more unusual contingencies you've written into a purchase agreement? Oh, mm. boy. I'd have to think about that one. Um <sighs> Into a purchase agreement, so meaning that we're helping the buyer buy the house? Mm-hmm. Uh, or selling. I mean, I would assume buying because you're more likely to have contingencies on that side, right? Well, you know, one of the things that um, I have actually seen, uh, and this I just did this not too long ago, where I had a seller. So I'll give you kind of an example of something unusual, um, where the seller had an offer come in, and they reserved the right to have two weeks as a seller to find the property of their choice before the buyer's agreement was solid with us. And that was something unusual. Um, and it worked out fine, actually worked out perfect. But it, it, it is, that's unique. I've never, you know, how about you, Chris? I had one a long time ago, now I think of it, that it was contingent upon them getting married. Oh, Because uh, they hadn't been married, yeah. And it had something to do at that point of time. I don't know, I, I can't, this was years ago. But I think it had something to do with the financing part of it, that they had to do it because uh, the money was coming from it where it used to be. I mean, now you can get it from like a fiance, like a gift. And I think they had to be um, she she had the money and he was qualifying kind of thing. But it was oh. contingent upon them being married. 
I tell you, I right now I'd love to see our financing addendums get a little more serious um, again, where they have a little more teeth because you're seeing a lot of lenders writing approval letters based on right now today. And then when they're buying the house and it's 30 or 60 or 90 days down the road, the overlays for that lender have now changed. And so their underwritten approval letter now is no longer valid under the old terms of our whatever. And it's crap. I'm seeing deals fall apart all over the place right now because of investors buying houses where they have an existing home. And now, you know, Fannie Mae's changed their rules where they can't have two properties unless one is classified or financed as an investment property. I mean, just weird, quirky, odd stuff. But I'm telling you, you're financing approvals right now. Um, Watch them closely. When rates are this low, banks scrutinize and change their minds constantly. So when you have somebody come in and say, oh, we're overqualified, prove it. Um, Show me the underwritten letter that says the closing date that we have is acceptable and all the terms have been met. So I'm starting to counter a lot of our offers as buyer's agents to, to the buyer's agents saying that we want the financial contingencies removed at least before we start packing up and moving out of the house, whatever that means, you know? There's so many, I mean, there is, there's a, a lot of stuff that's going on now that is, uh, you know, that people kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe we know it, but people gloss over it and don't really see it in the marketplace uh, out there, but uh, jumbo financing. I mean, is, is you got to watch out for that, you know, um, and they're, they're totally approved and everything's great. And they are. And usually people that are doing the jumbo financing are overqualified, but it comes down to, they ask for the craziest things. I mean, the craziest nutty things uh, in the world. And uh, I actually just found uh, out that personally on mine, uh, a house that I was buying got delayed almost three weeks because of the most ridiculous items I've ever heard in my life that they kept asking. And pretty soon I just said, forget it. I'm just going to go put down a lot more money and, uh, and do a conforming loan. And then it's done, you know, in two days. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's crazy. So if you're um, accepting a jumbo loan, just really look into that and make sure that uh, number one, that lender has worked with that uh, investor because typically they're investors uh, that these uh, lenders go to, they don't do them themselves and uh, just make sure. Um, and, and like Andy said, you got to put some, uh, you got to put some teeth in it. I mean, mine was, it, you know, in a time that it's a, it's a very, a property that's um, uh, very well sought after, you know, you have to start coming through as a buyer and saying, I mean, I had to come in and put a few hundred thousand dollars down more to be able to, keep that closing going, you know, and delay and and, and saying, Hey, you know what? It's not going to fall through and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is kind of a thing. And uh, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And and people, that's a bad situation for buyers to be able to be put in, you know, because all of a sudden they lose their job. Not only do they lose maybe their earnest money, but they lost another couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, and you're all dependent upon that lender. And the other thing, it puts the seller in a bad spot. You know, you start moving them into a position that all of a sudden now it's around Christmas and they've got to get out or they went and bought another house, not contingent upon this because you were going to be able to, you know, come through with it. So there's a lot of problems that run into uh, into there. And I think just kind of keep your um, eyes open for that. And um, once you've gone through it a few times, you know what you know what to look for. But it's, well, it's, I, it's I no fault tell, of the buyer. I, I always I'm starting with our new construction side of things. When people write offers on the models, we're going to start asking for the earnest money to be non-refundable. 
And it, it, it's simple. Then, then make sure your approval letter is really good before you write the offer because we don't want to sit here for three months or two months waiting and all of a sudden have it fall through. And builders get sick of it. That's why, and just, just for the record, that's why builders have preferred lenders. Not because of the kickbacks, not because of all the other reasons people think. It's because that lender fears that builder and will perform when they approve somebody. So, you know, you, you see that all over the place right now where these ABC lenders and, oh, he'll give me a better rate. I'm not going to use your lender. Well, th that's fine. But when they don't perform, how good is that right now? Because they can't get the deal done, you know. But anyway, I wanted to thank uh, Noelle here. She, uh, her tree farm up north, she sent me this mug. She spelled the name wrong on the mug. But uh, Noelle now is a tree farmer up north. And I wanted to congratulate her on that new adventure. <laughs> She's not really, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, it's real. Oh, cool. Andy, Andy would never joke about things like that. Andy wants to be a tree farmer. We've talked about this, a Christmas tree farmer. Yep. So, guys, we are running out of time, but we have time for just one or two of last week's questions. Um, as a buyer unaffected by low mortgage rates and looking for low to mid-range housing, is this literally the worst time to be looking to buy? Any tips on making the best of this market? Oh, I mean, I, I think you have to look, what you have to look at is, do you think the market's going to continue going up? Because regardless, if you have a loan or don't have a loan, you might have to pay more for the house. And that's been proven. Um, everyone thought, you know, during the, the virus little situation here that the market was going to go down and it did the absolute opposite. So I think you just, I mean, it's got to, for your situation and doing it, but um, I, I I also think though, if you have a, if you're a cash buyer in this market and you don't want to take advantage of those interest rates, you might want to rethink about that too, um, because it might be a, a smart thing to take advantage. If you have that kind of cash, it might be smart to not put it into uh, a loan that you're going to pay two and three quarter percent for and be able to make more money on that. I have two people, you know, two buyers, buyers that are financing. This is a fantastic time to buy because you're not going to see money any cheaper. Um, buyers that are paying with cash, I think are looking for better bargains and they're putting their money on the sidelines for a little bit. Um, you know, if they're buying only on price uh, as an investment, but if you're living in a house, that's different. Um, I also think that, you know, if, if we think right now our, our market's not being fueled by low rates, we're crazy because if interest rates were at 14% right now, I don't think we'd have the same housing market. We wouldn't have the same appreciation because people live in the payment. They don't live in the price. And so what happens is when your interest rates go low, your payments go low, they can afford to pay more because they don't care. And you know what I mean? Because they're going to live in that payment. So if their payment's 2,500 bucks a month, they're like, how much house do I get? And then they go out there and shop in that price range. So that has brought prices up, um, you know, I think artificially a little bit, but that's okay. I think that when rates start creeping up, which they will, um, eventually they have to, um, you're going to start seeing where house, I think prices will go down, but I think you're going to see definitely it will, as rates go, you know, up rates will, or the, the appreciation will soften more to a normal appreciation. Um, there's some prices that do go down though. And what, yeah. and how that happens is that there's a real, there's a real low amount of things that say, let's just say the $700,000 price range. And there's not many out there. And so 675 goes up to 700, but then when more 700s come on, it might go back to 675, if that makes sense. And so yep. sometimes in this market, that's what happens in the upper 
towards the upper bracket of the homes. If there's not, the more that's available, it starts, obviously, the more that's available, the price is more likely to go down. So, Well, awesome show today, guys. We got so many questions live that we don't have time for all of last week's questions. So we'll include those in next week's show. Thanks for joining us today. Any final thoughts before we jump off? I wanted to thank everybody listening to the podcast. That's been impressive. I, I was looking at the numbers the other day. There's a lot of people that uh, that listen every week, and thank you for listening. We appreciate it, and we want your your feedback and in, uh, input on you know show topics and different things like those. Questions make a big difference for us on how we design the show format. So it. That please stay interactive. We love when you it. see me writing on the show, it means we're we're coming up with new to- show topics based on what everybody's asking. And the the stay on topic thing that we've been battling that for eleven years now. And, uh, so <laughs> that 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 uh, question is totally directed towards Courtney. She's the one that she's she's the master. She I do my best. Us. It's it's not an easy job, guys. Jose, <laughs> can you imagine trying to control us two idiots? Oh my my gosh. Well, guys, have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Give our show a listen on our podcast and a rating if you are so inclined. If you have questions, recommendations, or topics uh, or speakers for the show, uh, please email them to me, Courtney at AmplifyUp.com. And until next week, we will see you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.